Goodness gracious, I'm so excited. We are, we're in our last week of our uh, series. We've been going, uh, we've been teaching. If you're new, we're going to do some recapping real quick. Um, we're in a, we've been in this series called Groupie or Group Me. And, uh, it came from a thing where there are a lot of people we grew up, um, admiring. We grew up, uh, enamored over different people, different bands. Uh, it could be movie stars. It could be any number of things where, uh, it, it, it's really more of a sixties term where it's like, Ooh, everything's terrific. And, and we want to celebrate them. And, um, so you could be a rock group. And it's funny because as I've been doing this, I've been going around and I, I'm watching some of these young kids wearing t-shirts of groups that I grew up, you know, grew up. And I was like, what? Freebird? What do you, you know? You don't even know nothing about that. What you, you don't even know. <laughs> and then, then there was one. I was in Windix the other day, and one of them had the uh, the group that wears all the makeup, the Kiss thing. And I was like, dude, you don't. <laughs> like, okay, a group of grown men all dressed up. Come on, high heels, y'all know. Some of y'all, y'all still got the albums. Don't even cut up. <laughs> but there are things that we celebrate that somehow we think, oh, this this was the greatest. You bought the T-shirt. You went to the concert. You do all the lyrics. Uh, you could quote the movie over and over. There are things that we do that. And um, let me say this, that Jesus wants us more than just a groupie saying, yay. He wants us to group together and make a difference for him in this earth. And so we can only do that together. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and he said, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Right here. These are what he gave to us. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And what did he give them for? Their responsibility, my responsibility, others' responsibility here on this staff is to equip God's people to do what? His work. So let me set you free from anybody that would think you're doing anything for me. Anything you do to help out here has nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with Him. God calls us to do that, and He equips us, and He uses different gifts to do that. And so, it's to equip His people to do His work, and when we do that, let me say that's a when we do that, what happens? This is what naturally happens. We build up the church. So, what I'm saying by that is, anybody here that is simply expecting me to build up the church. Oops. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to disappoint you. But I'm only one man and I can only do so much. But everyone here that claims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when you begin to take a hold of why Jesus took a hold of you, you begin to operate in your gifting and calling. And we've got ways to do that. We're going to go over those tonight. We encourage you to be here. But when you start doing that, the church gets built up, which is the body of Christ. And so we encourage you to do that. And today, I saved the best for last. Because some of y'all might really relate to this one here. We, we've done, we're all better together. Um, we, we've done a number of them. But today, i got to ask you a question. and It's simply this. Are you a fan or a follower? Are you a fan or a follower. It goes along the same lines that we have people that are fans of a lot of things. And, uh, and I know something that 
kicked off yesterday or something, some kind of season that here in the South gets kind of a little crazy, and uh, we want to celebrate, and you, you would almost, <laughs> I see those, I see my brother, <laughs> anyhow, we would almost think that, wow, it, it was a religion because of the way it's patronized and the way it's celebrated, um, and I think of this, when we think of fan and followers, Jesus, everybody starts out as a fan. Let me say, nothing wrong with being a fan. Everybody starts out as a fan, but Jesus calls us to a deeper walk, and he wants us to be a follower. We're going to unpack that this morning. And I want you to think about some, some things that you're a big fan of. You know, I was in the store the other day, and I saw this picture, that, uh, and I had to take a picture of it. It wasn't a picture. It's actually this big old, <laughs> looks like a water tower, and it says Fanville. You have every day, I think it's every day is game day in Fanville. And so a lot of people celebrate this this season that we're in. And I think there was a game that was happened last night. And, and can I just go ahead and share with you my, my experience? Um, I started to watch it and I had to turn it off simply because my heart was drawn towards that. I was like... Mm, I really need to spend Saturday nights, just so you know, I love to just go over what I'm going to be sharing and pray through. It's already in the hopper. It's already there, but it doesn't mean it's there. And so I love to just like, Lord, ingra- I, oh, yeah, yeah, keep on. And I knew I watched about the first five minutes and I was like, oh, no, I got to shut this off. I got there was there was something about two teams in Florida that were going at it and. And I know some of y'all right now, I know some of y'all are going, oh, yeah, and, and y'all got that going on. And it's okay. It's okay. Um, but I will say that God personally sent some people here for me. I, I count it personal. I shut it off. I'm studying. I'm just praying through. I'm loving on Jesus. And I thought, this is what I thought. I said, win or lose, I will find out tomorrow, guaranteed. Especially if they lose. And then I thought, oh, no, it doesn't even matter if, if, if the lizards lose. I know I'll get texts as soon as it happens, like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. But it didn't happen that way. You know what happened? I don't know, about 1030 or so, I guess. I don't know. I didn't look at the time. But I get this, this text, go Gators. And I went, they won. <laughs> it's like, woo. I didn't get any other texts. I was like, uh-huh, I knew. I, I just want to say this, that. Um, we celebrate a lot of things and we have a lot of fun, but we really want to make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing. And Jesus is calling us to not just be fans, but to be followers. That's what in Mark, one of our staple um, scriptures here, and you might as well go ahead and memorize it because you're going to hear it over and over and over because Jesus said it's the number one command. Everybody say number one. There can only be one number one. Like right now in preseason and all kind of stuff, there can only be one number one. And so in your life, in my life, I can only have one thing that's number one. And Jesus said the number one thing that we as followers need to do is, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I think that's a pretty much all. It's not half-hearted. It's not like, well, you know, just go after him a little bit. He wants to have it all. 
And then he goes on to say, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor. Now there's a one of those uh, particular things, this is recorded in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And one of them has it where, where a guy goes, well, who's my neighbor? And we're not going to unpack that this morning. But I do want to take just a moment, I want you to think about this. As we think about Jesus, and all of us are at different places in our walk. Everybody has had different experiences. They, they understand differently. I'd love it if everybody's like, hey, we all know it. It's like, it doesn't happen. We're all in a, in a place in our journey and in our walk. And this is what I think sometimes we need to do. There's about three things we need to do. But the number one thing we need to do, and I want us to do this morning, is we need to, uh, we need to have us, uh, we need to have a DTR. A DTR. And for some of y'all, you go, what's a DTR, Mark? I don't, I don't get it. Some of the younger generation is like, I know what that is. <laughs> At some point, you got to define the relationship. You, you know, when you're in a relationship with somebody and you're pursuing and you're going, at some point you got to define, are we just, are we just friends? Are we more than friends? Like, I like you. And then it goes into, I like you a lot. <laughs> and then you go, I like you a whole lot. And you begin to go on this journey of, well, how, how well do you like me? And so there's this back and forth. There's this game of, okay, I like, I, I, what is this like? And so at some point, You've got to define that, and that's where the tension comes in. Because one may say, I like you a lot, and another one, you know, and I don't want to put any heat on anybody that may be in that, like, let's define it. You know, I don't want to, you know, if if y'all are seeing each other right now, y'all take it easy. This is, this is spiritual, okay, right now. (laughs) Some of y'all go put heat on something. You heard, let's define. I want you to take, a moment this morning and think about it in in terms of Jesus. You know, there was a great athlete, a great baseball player named Babe Ruth. Anybody ever heard of him? Slugger, could get it. Towards the end of his career, it's recorded that Babe would strike out a lot more than he would get a hit. And what would happen is the people that began to cheer him and the throngs of people coming like, "Ah!" you know, they'd come out, gone. And they would cheer towards the end of it. It's like, oh, they began to boo him. And, and it's recorded at one of his, towards the end of his career, one of his last games. He's sitting there and this little boy comes running out of the stands. And he wraps himself around his, around his legs, around Babe Ruth's leg. Because he felt so bad, everybody booed him. So he just wrapped his arm. And he's sitting there crying for the babe. He's like, oh, they felt. So what did he do? He picked him, he picked the little boy up, put him in his arms. And he carried him back to the dugout. And when he did, all those people that were like, oh, you stink, you're terrible, you know, look, go. All of a sudden, they get quiet. And they're watching this man carry this young boy that felt so bad. And all of a sudden, all these fans that were just so, so mean towards him, all of a sudden, they just sitting quiet going. And they were moved by the relationship he had with this young fella. Just, hey, this little guy was sad that he was getting booed like that. Let me say, when we look at our relationship with Jesus, he always picks us up. He's always caring, no matter what kind of fan. He's wanting to move us towards follower all the time. And we want to help you do that. Now, I know that if I were to ask you, hey, are you a Christian? We would get a number of different answers. Or we'd go, hey, I go to church. 
that'd be one of our, I go to church or, hey, you know, I raise my hands, you know, kind of, I love some of the different ones. You can go, you got that half thing like, hey, I don't want to get too crazy here. And you got that one like, okay, I'll just kind of wave, hey, yeah, we're good. You know, don't want to get, then you got the others like, okay, woo. And you got those like, woo, I don't even care. You're like, you know, God meets us wherever we're at. Some of you are like, I'm still trying to figure. I, I've shared this with my testimony. When I first came to this church, I was in a church. You didn't even do anything loud. It was just, you did everything quiet. Matter of fact, the first time I came, I sat right over here and I looked and, and these people were just raising their hands like, whoa. And I literally, it, it drew my attention. I'm like, what are they looking at? What, 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 what do they see? And I couldn't tell. I was like, what are you, what? They're singing and their hands are all raised like, whoa. It's like, I don't even know what they're looking at. But it looked, that's just the ceiling it looked like to me. But they were, they were going beyond that. And so, so it might be a hand raise. It could be, um, you own three or more Bibles. Come on. Come on, y'all. May not read them, but you got them. I'm only kidding. So, <laughs> you got three. It is the best selling book of all time, just so you know. It doesn't mean it's studied. Um, you grew up going to church camp or VBS, Sunday school. You got all the pins. How many, how many still got your Sunday school pins? Come on. <laughs> I got them. Still have them? Nothing wrong with that. Hey, your, your ringtone's a worship song. Okay, come on. Everybody loves that one. And uh, you wear your T-shirts, witness wear. Here's a good one that just came out. I, I thought I, I was not going to throw this one in there, but I kissed dating goodbye, and then all of a sudden he's like, hold it, I didn't even mean it. And I was like, no, you did. It was a, a controversial thing that the, the writer just threw out. How about this one? You, you, you dogged out Harry Potter, but you love Lord of the Rings. Come on. It's like, woo. It's like, it's an allergy, allegory. Um, here's a good, you got the purpose driven life and you got a purpose driven life in 40 days. I know it. Like, I got that one. I got to have it. I've, I've got purpose now. Or, uh, here's, I'll finish with this one. You say, bless your heart, bless their heart before every time you talk bad about somebody, huh? <laughs> Defining that relationship, bless their heart, you know, and then you go on and boo, or you do it before, and then at the end of it, you throw that in, bless their heart. Oh, that made it clear. We're clear on that one, Jesus. It's all good. So when we talk about defining this relationship. I, I think Jesus did it well in in the sixth chapter of John. You get a chance. We're not going to read through it all this morning. I just want to give you some backstory. Hold on before you throw that up there. Um, cause they'll start reading it. I know these guys are ambitious. They're like, um, in the sixth chapter of John, there's a lot going on. Like Jesus has just fed 5,000 people, actually more than that, men plus women and children. Uh, he's cast out demons. He's done a number of things. And then he walks on water in that sixth chapter. It's all happened in the sixth chapter of John. He walks on water and, and we see him doing that. It gets to the other side. And this throng of people show up. He had already fed the 5,000. But he was getting away from the told disciples, get in the boat, go, 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 go. They're all here. They're not going to leave. They're, they're, they're getting food. And in that story, or towards the end, in, um, in the uh, 26th and 27th verse, the throng of people go to the other side, and they're, they're still wanting him. Hey, 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 hey. And Jesus helps them define the relationship in this. Look what he says in John 26 and 27. Uh, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you some filet of fish sandwiches. I gave you a happy meal. 
and you was happy with it, and you're like, whoa, whoa, you fed me a fish fillet sandwich and some bread, and I love you. And Jesus said, that's why you want to be with me, because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous sign that here you were, this guy, this little fella had a lunch, um, had uh, five loaves of bread, two little fish, and, and, and he fed the 5,000, fed the multitudes and had 12 baskets left over. He said, you didn't even notice that. You just want, you, you still want your Happy Meal. I just want my, my fillet, fillet of fish sandwich. I just want to keep on. And he said, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Let's be honest. That's one of the church. Some of y'all, before you ever showed up here, you were already planning. And right now, you already know where you're going to go eat. It's, it's already established. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. And if you and if, and if I get through in time, you get there quick, right? Like, okay, <laughs> we can make the first one. Let's run. I've never understood. I didn't grow up in a denominational thing where it's like, hey, we got to go there because I went to the church where I could go at eight thirty and be done by nine fifteen. Gone. You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> I will say this: that don't be so concerned about that. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. That's where Jesus is saying, I want you to get focused not on simply the physical. I want you to focus on the eternal because that's what he loves to do. And so they kept on pursuing him. And then Jesus took it a little step further to define it and go a little further in John 6.35. And this may scatter a few of them. He's like, okay, we still want the filet of fish. Yeah, we're in for the fish. We want it down. We're putting it down. I want it. Jesus replied and said, hey, forget the fish. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Again, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Can I tell you that a lot of people take that out of contest because guess what? How many of you ate and you know you're going to be hungry again? Like you're going to go right after church, you're going to eat, and then probably come back tonight, 6 o'clock, and then after that you're going, we're going to go again. Maybe even to the same place if you liked it. And so that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the food for our soul, the inside, where I will, I will do such a work and connect in such a way that you will never have to worry about being hungry for spiritual things. I'll feed you. It's me. I'm that bread. And then, so they, they still weren't getting it, so he doubles down. And you talk about dispersing a crowd. Jesus was never more concerned about a crowd. He was always more concerned about commitment. He was more concerned about commitment than he was the crowd. And in uh, John 6, 53 through 55, he goes on to say, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. And if you don't think this will disperse some people, if somebody told you this, you're like, I'm out of here. I, I'm, I'm, that's more than I care to, my mind can fathom. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Some of y'all right now, you go, mm, okay, I, I, I didn't sign up for that one. I don't know where he's going with that. And he goes, drink his blood. You cannot have eternal life with you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. And then 55 goes on to say this. For my flesh is true food and my body is true drink. Now, let me let me help you with those who may be new. Jesus was not advocating cannibalism. <laughs> he wasn't thinking, hey... What he was, he knew that he was going to transform the Last Supper, the bread and the wine, 
He knew he was going to transform that into the communion meal we celebrate today. And so he wasn't advocating, saying, hey, drink this. He was saying, hey, unless you connect with me in that way, you're not going to be able to make it. And so shortly after that, a lot of people left. In verse uh, 65 through 68, this is where we see people disperse. And that's not how you win friends and influence people. And at that point, after they heard that, said at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. He's like, hey, you just went beyond what I could grasp and what I'm willing to go. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Let me ask you something. What would it take you to deny your faith? What, What would it take in your life where you'd say, okay, that's more than I chose. I didn't sign up for that because we see over the history of, of the church and over the history of, of, of mankind, those who committed the, themselves to the Lord, many of them were martyred simply because they said, I believe in Jesus. First one, being Stephen saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just love Jesus. He understood scripture. He was martyred right there. He said that, and then, are you going to leave me also? Simon Peter replied and said, Lord, to whom would we go? Where am I going to go? You have the words that give eternal life. He understood that this is temporary. Everybody say the word temporary. Everything on this planet right here is temporary. Jesus is eternal. Don't settle for the temporary when you can celebrate the eternal. Let me encourage you with that. So here's a few thoughts I came up with fans and followers. Here's three of them I want to think. Fans are in it for them. Like, what can Jesus do for me? Hey, I just, hey, hey. And I'll say this to you. that Jesus loves. That's what he came to do. He came to give life. He loves you. He's for you. But fans are mainly in it for them. Followers are in it for him. Jesus he wants us to come to the place, Lord, what can I do for you? What is it you want for me? And I'll say this, if he never blessed you again, would you still follow him? I mean, the thing about it is, we think somehow when we grow up in the church that, God, you owe me. You owe me. How many have ever had that, that conversation with God? <laughs> Besides me. Besides me. There, there were times in ministry where I, I could... Oh, I'll confess my sin. <laughs> Y'all won't do it, but I will. I remember we were doing a, a, a sidewalk Sunday school down in the projects. And, and we would go in and I would help. And I'd have anywhere from 90 to 100 kids out on a tarp. And we'd have a great time and we'd have a Bible study. I'd re- get them to pray to receive Christ. And we, I mean, it was a great thing. Everybody was coming in. And it was beautiful. I mean, there were things. But what happened is, is people's desire began to wane. So every Thursday... I'd have, it started out big, and then you know how things go, little, little, and they kind of lost the vision. And I'll never get one week, because I'd already promised I was coming out there, and they were waiting. I'm like, I cannot let these little guys down. And so, I'm riding on the way, heading to McIntyre Court, me and my little short self, and I was going and saying, on the way there, I'm drumming, I'm like, Jesus, you did me wrong. I mean, I've, I committed myself to you, and I'm committed to do this. Where's everybody at? Why aren't they here? And I'm literally, because I know what I'm fixing to go. There's going to be kids all over that truck, everywhere. They're going to be coming out. And I'm sitting here going, I want to love them, but i got to keep, well, okay, trying to set up a sound system. 
trying to get everything done. As I pull up, there's about five moms that are sitting there waiting for me. I've just been having this conversation, and it hasn't been thanking you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me or provide for me. I'm sitting there like, God, I can't believe you set me up like this. This is crazy. I can't believe this. I get there. These five moms are sitting there waiting on We just feel like we are so thankful for what you're doing for our children. How can we help? And I went, what? What? Jesus, thank you. You're so good. I can't believe that you would look after me like that. I want to tell you, one of them washed the truck. One of them helped me set up the sound. They got them on the table. They were taking names. We'd always put names in a, in a little bucket. and We'd pull out and give them prizes at the end. It was a beautiful thing. I'm telling you, all of us sometimes do that. Followers are in it for him. Fans can come and go. <laughs> Followers stay. We call it getting on the bandwagon. You know what I'm saying? Somebody starts winning. It's like all of a sudden, if you got a team that hadn't won in a while, you know, and all of a sudden you decide, all of a sudden they're wearing all one team's gear, and then the next, next after a few years, they start wearing the other team's gear that's winning. I'm an Alabama fan all of a sudden. I don't even know why. Or I'm a Clemson fan. I love South Carolina for some reason. I had an uncle whose cousin was born there, and so that makes me a fan. That makes me right like home. So they'll start celebrating something like, hey, they'll jump on. Fans come and go, but followers stay. Jesus knew that. He was after the commitment. And then finally, there's a bunch of them, but these are just three. Fans are fickle. <laughs> followers are faithful. <laughs> there are people that's like, come on now, when you're watching a game, you there are some people you do not want to watch a game with. And I'm one of them. No, I'm <laughs> There are some where it's like, ah, ah, ah. I want to tell you, it's the same thing can be in our relationship with Jesus. When things go wrong, when we get situations that happen in our life, many times we're like, ah, ah. We, we can go up and down, and Jesus wants to be the solid foundation in all of our lives. Um, I love what Diedrich Bonhoeffer said in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. It says, when God calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And, and when he dies, he actually finds life in the process. So here's what I want us to do. First, we, we looked at what's determined our relationship. I want you to determine where are you at with that? Are you a fan or a follower? The second, I want you to look at this. What does a whole uh, WHF look like? Wholehearted follower. Because Jesus said he wanted all of it. So what does that even look like? What does it look like to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus. I'm glad you asked. I got a few things right here I want, to, I want you to look at. In Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27, there's a large crowd that was following Jesus. There's a bunch of them. They're all, Jesus had the crowds that the multitudes would love to follow him. And he said, and Jesus, he turned around and said to them, here we go. You want to know what a wholehearted follower looks like? It said, if you want to be my disciples... You must, by comparison, hate everyone else. How many know a lot of people are leaving here? Because even look at look at the relationship he's talking about. Your father, your mama. Uh-oh. My mama. What? My mama, you I gotta hate my mama. Of course, we know. Let me help you before you before you know, in that in scripture, in context, that word hate is not how we describe hate. It literally means to love less. 
It means to love less. And so I must hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters. And then he goes on, because like I said a moment ago, we're all selfaholics. Yes, even your own life. Even your own life. So he was saying, you want to know what wholehearted following looks like? It means that I'm giving it all to him. That, Lord, I'm trusting it all to him. Why do we do that? Because he gave it all to us. He didn't hold anything back. And uh, he loves to help us uh, do that. And so um, when we look at the thing of, of how it operates and how this operates in our life, the second part of that goes on to say, in uh, verse 27, it says, Otherwise you cannot be my disciples, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. Now, this is where we come into the thing of believers, followers. Um, we're called to help people carry their cross at first. When people first come to Jesus, when they first walk and they first connect with the Lord, I'm going to tell you, the church and what we're what God's doing here is helping people grow in their relationship with Him, okay? That's what we are called to do. And we don't expect people to come in, Woo! Hallelujah, I just love Jesus. They're going in like, who's Jesus? And, and I don't know about Him, but I, I have some bad experiences with Him, and it wasn't with Him, it's with the people that claimed His name. Hello, anybody? Anybody have some bad experience with Christians that... Hey, they claim Jesus, but their actions may speak a little bit different than what he said. That's part of what we got we to gotta overcome. He said, look, we do help people carry their cross until they can do it. And so there's four things that that looks like when we talk about defining wholehearted. There's four words. I want you to look at them. God, me, we, world. God, me, we, world. Look at this, what it stands for. God... First of all, God, I have an authentic relationship with God. And when I say that, I mean, I know him and he knows me. I don't know about him. I know him like I know he loves me. I know he's for me. I know he'll never turn his back. I know that there's nothing I can do that can escape his grace, his love and his mercy. I know that authentically. And then I talk to him regularly and he talks to me. He shares things about my life. I like to put it this way. He gets in your business. How many have ever had God get in your business? You're like, no, I try to keep him out of that. It's like, no, 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 no. And I want to tell you, if you'll invite him into every part, it'll only be for your good and it'll be for his glory. The me part is I am becoming more like Christ. All of our desire. I'm trying to get me out of the way so he can take over. We is I have healthy relationship with others. This is what we're trying to build. We have a small group thing about to happen in a week or so, and I'm challenging you, there are folks in here that need to have a small group and you need to attend a small group. It's not too late. If you'll call, we can help you set up and be, and be a small group. Help that happen. We need that to happen. And then, the, so we need to have those healthy relationships. And then the world is, I'm using my gifts to do what? To serve myself? There are people that, y'all, can I just be real with you? There are people that will never step a foot in these doors. They'll never step in this building. That's proven. There's statistics that prove they'll never come in this building. It's up to us to take the gospel to them. It's up to us to go demonstrate Christ out there right now. That that's where we have to do. We have to take it as our responsibility 
to do that. And so that's what it looks like. Now then, how do we become the, the third part and final thing is I'm finished with this. How do we become a wholehearted follower of Jesus? How do we do that? What does that look like? First, let me say this, that I want to set your mind at ease. I don't want you to walk here like I got to go do some more stuff. I got to, I got to work harder. Can I tell you and, and challenge you to take a deep breath and say, it's all what he's already done. Jesus would never ask me to do something he doesn't empower me to do. In other words, I can't love God with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength until he first loved me with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so then he deposits that in me and operate from that place, not to that place. So it's not about working harder. It's about receiving better his grace, his love, his truth. It's about me receiving from him, not me simply trying to work for him. And so there's five things on this, and I'm closing with it. There's meet, seek, serve, give, and share. These are kind of steps you can take. If you wanted to kind of see a barometer, this is it. This is how we get there. First is, there again, set up. Um, meet together in church in a small group. Let me say what you chose to do this morning. To come and worship God and be around other believers. That's the best thing you could have done this morning. I know. Look. You could have been on a boat. You could have been on the beach. You could have been at the mall. You could be in a number of places, but you say, Lord, I'm coming here this morning to connect with other people and connect with you. That's the most, one of the first things we do. Second is to seek God daily. Seek God in, in daily in prayer, Bible reading and journaling. And I want to say, if you don't understand the Bible, start somewhere, like I would say, John. But you can call and we can give you Bible plans that will help you take steps to go, hey, I can understand this. Because most people, let's be honest, most people don't read the Bible for one reason. They don't understand it. Like, I don't get it. How does it apply to my life? We'd love to help you do that. That's what some of the small groups will be doing and helping you. And we encourage you to, to be a part of that. And then serve is serve others in our church and community. We have ways. We want everybody. We believe it is God's purpose for everybody Everybody can't do everything, but they can do something. So you can do something to make a difference in somebody else's life here and in our community. And then give, give to God's work in our church and to the poor. Jesus said to give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And then finally share. This is the tough one. Share your faith with your friends. Like how, how do you tell them, how do you tell them you're going to heaven? <laughs> how do you tell your friend, guess what? I just want to tell you, I'm going to heaven. They're like, good for you. Wow, okay, what's that got to do with me? How do you share in such a way that you draw people and they want to hear what you have to say? We always tell people how good God is, not how bad they are. We tell people, hey, let me tell you what God's done for me. It will always make a difference in their life when they hear it. It will draw them. To go, I want that. He'll do it for me. It'll do it for you. And then and then this, this thing, I, I remember... Um, that I had a situation a few years ago as a youth pastor, and we had a, a, a genuine move of God happening in our youth group, and it was student-led. And I used to watch students. I would sit back as a pastor. What I ended up having to do to shepherd this thing, I literally I had to move. We're going to preach first before we worship. <laughs> because once the first strum of a guitar, it was over. I mean, the youth, like, ah, it, was, it was beautiful, incredible 
to watch and youth ministering to youth, getting words from the Lord and sharing. And I watched them, so I'd have to literally, I'd have to say, okay, look, I'm going to preach first, and then we're going to worship. And we have youth coming from churches, all different churches, just to come and say, I want to connect. And I'll never forget one young lady that came. And I mean, when she shared her testimony, she said, Pastor, I want to tell you what happened, what's happened in my life. And she was sharing how she was into drugs. She was into premarital sex. She had all this stuff going on in her life. And she goes, I don't even have a desire to do that. It's like he took it all away from me. Like, I just feel so clean and so free and I just love him so much. I'm the, and so I, don't you know, as a youth pastor, I'm like, and I didn't do it. I like, I, it wasn't because of message. Like, I'm just celebrating like, Jesus, you're so good. And I just encouraged it was so beautiful. Well, guess what? I got a call from her mother one day. And I'm thinking, you know, you, you hear that and I'm thinking, man, this, you know, youth pastors, usually when you get a call from a parent, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. It's not usually telling you how good you're doing. <laughs> usually you're getting, it's like, okay, what I do, what I do this time? Uh, and I said, so I got this, and this mother says, are you Pastor Marshall? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She goes, my daughter's been coming to your church, your youth group. And I was like, well, I don't own a youth group. It's the Lord's. I just happen to be shepherding. But okay, it's his church. I don't own anything. I don't, it's his. And so, and she goes, well, I want you to help me with my daughter. And she told me her daughter was, I was like, oh. I said, I'm thinking, man, she is so awesome. I am so thankful. It's like, it's so incredible. She goes, no, it's not. I said, what? Huh? She goes, my daughter, all she does, she comes home, she wants to read the Bible and listen to worship music in her room. Hello? <laughs> okay, is there, is there a problem? You, you said you had a problem you needed help with. She goes, yeah, it's not normal. I'm like, no, it's not. I work with you. That is totally un- And I said, so what's the problem? She goes, it's not normal. I want it to stop. I said, excuse me? She goes, I want it to stop. I said, well, I would just say this. I didn't start it. I didn't do anything. I said, ma'am, I'd love to take credit, but I didn't do anything. But I, I would I would caution you to do this. Have you talked to your daughter? Have you asked her to share her testimony with you, what she's had going on, what she's done? She goes, no, and I'm not interested. I just want it to stop. And that's when I said, I, it broke my heart because I sat there and said, I knew where she came out of and what she came out of. I'd love to say it had a, you know, in church we like to share all the happy stories and that it ends. Two years after, I saw her. She was just as mixed up. She was strung out. I saw her in the community. I tried to encourage her. I said, girl, it was real. She goes, no, it's not real. That, that was just fake. I said, it's so real. And I thought to myself, what would it be like to have your daughter? And I thought, Lord, I prayed for the mother that, Lord, you would touch her heart in such a way that she would be the one. All she could do is read her Bible and worship and draw her daughter back home. So I just say this to say what, what I, what, the reason I bring that up is wholeheartedness looks like this. Jesus said in Luke 9.24, and I close. In Luke 9.24, he said that if you try to hang on to your life, if you, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give, if you give up 
your life, for my sake, you will save it. You'll find it. And I know in this auditorium this morning, I know all of us are at some point or place. I know we're all on this journey together. We're taking steps. We're moving. And I could, I can't help but to think that all of us have made decisions at some point and said, Lord, I know that all of us have at, at different times and different places in our life have evaluated different things. But I want to take just a moment, if you would, if you'd bow your heads with me for just a moment. And I want to ask you, what is your relationship right now? I want you to define your relationship with the Lord. I want you to take just a moment and ask yourself, is it growing? Is there a passion? Is there a desire to spend time with Him? Is there a thing like, I can't get enough? Or is it, hey, hey, I see you over there, Jesus, you're good. I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing, and we'll be okay. When's the last time you just said, Lord, search me, try me? Is there anything between you and me? Have I let anything in me take precedence over you? Have I allowed something to become number one instead of you? If there's anything right now in your life that has kept you away or maybe have, have made you feel far away from Him, this would be a great day to bridge that gap. Because God said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to give you an opportunity because that's the only way I know you can get alone in a crowded room. If you'd say, Mark, I want you to pray with me and pray for me that, that I could be that I could have that close walk that I know Jesus has called or maybe that you've experienced it one time or maybe you never have. I want to be close with him where I hear his voice and he hears mine where we have conversation where I don't just give laundry lists but I actually receive from him. If that's you and you feel far away from God this morning, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. If you just slip your hand up wherever you are. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to make you get out of your seat. This is just between you and the Lord. You defining that. If that's you, I'm going to ask you. There you go. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Yep. Anybody else? I feel far away. But today, I want to be close. I want to know. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody in here, if you would, that would like to, if you'd pray with me right now, pray this prayer out loud. Father God, I recognize that there are things in my life, things I've done, things I've said, things that have been done to me, and things that have been said to me that are not your plan and not your purpose. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for all the times I've rejected your wooing. I've rejected you moving in my life. Today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I give you my life. Use it for your good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You would stand up with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You'd stand up with me at this time. Got a couple things that I just want to encourage you with. We're going to have some people up here praying. If you need prayer this morning, we'll be here. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. But we'll have those, Ricky and others, if y'all would come on up here. We'll be available if you need prayer for either healing in your body or you need somebody to agree with you. That's what we're here to do for you this morning. 
We'll do that as we dismiss. You can come this way. So if you would open your hands to the Lord, receive from Him. Father God, You're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over Your people. And in so doing, God, as we place Your name on them, You in turn would do the blessing. So I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, amen.